Hi, I'm Mike Field. I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking, and others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond, and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. All right, welcome back. This is episode four of yet another MCU podcast. How you doing, Pat? I'm good. You got the name right this time. I I was <laughs> uh, proud of myself. There was a moment right before I was going to say MCU where I was like, Marvel, no, MCU <laughs> podcast. So if you can tell by my somber tone, we are about to talk about Thor. <laughs> the Shakespearean <laughs> drama yes, of the MCU. absolutely. Which makes sense. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh. I guess I'll just run through real quick some, some fact stuff and then... Um, We'll get right into them. We'll get into the movie. As you know, we do. We do the movie. We break down the differences between the movie and the comic. And then we talk about its role in the MCU and I guess stuff that's in the movie that foreshadows future movies yeah. and stuff like that. And like like last episode, we talked about Iron Man 2. That was the first time where the, that, the third part of our little podcast, the MCU universe podcast part, uh, really kind of took shape because it started doing more stuff. So obviously that carries forward into Thor. Which was released on May 6, 2011. Uh, it was 115 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Had a production budget of $150 million. I can't remember off the top of my head if that's more than Iron Man 2. Do you remember? Don't remember. Okay. I'm curious to track if like how the production the budget increase. Yeah, yeah. They keep, keep going up or whatnot. Uh, it's opening weekend at $65 million. Domestically, $181 million. Worldwide, $449 million. So again, another big hit for Marvel. And for Kevin Feige and I guess not Disney at the time. This is the last this is the last Paramount one. No, I think Captain America first Avenger. Okay. I think Avengers is the last Paramount one. You might be right. And then in really in phase two. So the deal was made with Disney shortly before Iron Man 2 came out. I think Paramount had a six movie deal. Mm-hmm. So that's Iron Man, Hulk, yeah. Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and first in in a the first Avenger movie, um, but the Avengers and <laughs> oh, the Avengers. And then, <laughs> and then I think phase two is where it kicks off with the Disney, the Disney movies. Okay. Right. We could, we could double check that. Hey, whatever. We got plenty of time, <laughs> plenty of episodes, <laughs> plenty of bonus episodes, 18 uh, more movies <laughs> and counting. Uh, so Thor is directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, uh, People who do not know who Kevin Branagh is, he's a famous, famous uh, actor, no, known for his Shakespearean roles. But he's mm-hmm. also in the. He was more recently in the uh, remake of the Murder of the Orient Express. Yes. He played Perot, but actually he's there's, there's doing a sequel. I just saw the other day. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I mm-hmm. actually the I actually liked the remake. I was I was into it, and it was I like I like the time period and the setting and yeah. all that stuff. So, and he played a good Perot, so I thought that was really cool. Um, but he does a lot of he directs a lot of stuff. Um, and obviously he directed Thor, uh, written by <laughs> Ashley Miller. Uh, he wrote uh, X-Men First Class. I believe he either wrote it with Zach Stentz or Zach Stentz. I think he did write it with Zach Stentz because I yeah. have the same credit for Zach Stentz, who's also a writer here. And Don Payne, I think, was brought in maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the 
I should have really paid attention to how the writing uh, shaped out there. Uh, but Don Payne, uh, the only one, only credit I have it here because it deals with the superhero is my superhero ex-girlfriend, though. Oh, was it Paul with, Rudd? No, that was um, Uma Thurman yep. and not Owen Wilson, his brother. Oh, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. That's why I thought it was Paul yeah. Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> Music by Patrick Doyle, cinematography by Harris, uh, butchering this name, Zambar Lucas. Lucas. He did Batman Begins, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. That's weird. Because Batman Begins is really, you know, has a dark, somber tone yeah. to it. Well, and Thor does have that. It, it flips between that dark, somber Shakespearean tone and then the earthly stuff. It's kind of, we talk about when they're on Asgard yeah. compared to uh, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Land of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and I already told you that we already know Kevin Feige produced. I mean, I don't know. I should probably have to say that name because you probably all know that already. Uh, Thor is played by Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Jane is Natalie Portman. Loki played by Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, excuse me. Anthony Hopkins plays Odin. Stellan Skarsgård is Eric Selvig. Kat Dennings is Darcy Lewis. Clark Gregg is Agent Coulson, who has returned. Idris Elba as Heimdall. Or Heimdall. Heimdall. Uh, Rene Russo as Frigga. Yeah. Okay. And then I, the only other comment, the only other credit I have here, we now see the introduction of Maximiliano Hernandez as Jasper Sitwell. Yes, another Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Well, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who ends up becoming... An Agent of Hydra. And that's only... You only find that out in... The Captain America Winter Soldier. Soldier. Okay. So. so he appears in a couple of those Marvel one shots. I really should watch those. I really should try to find those. I think they're all on YouTube. For, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or if you have the DVDs, the original DVDs from the films, I believe they're on the special features. Let's get into the, we'll get into like our viewing notes of Thor. I guess, do you want to give like a quick breakdown of what this movie's synopsis is? I mean, sure. I could just, I can just upload a synopsis and read it verbatim <laughs> if you like, but I figure you want to just kind of give a quick kind of, you know. Yeah. Thor, the son of Odin, Thor Odinson. He's a real jerk. He is a real <laughs> jerk. He was raised to be the king of Asgard, the mystical land of the Asgardians of the Norse mythology. He's ready to assume his throne, but through an attack by an ancient evil force, he does something brash. And as a result, his father Odin sends him down to earth to presumably yeah, learn humility or just get him out of his sight. He's annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while he's on earth, he meets Jane Foster and a handful of, of earthlings and they help him, you know, realize the connection between earth and Asgard and science and magic. On the other side, you have Loki, his half brother. We discover it's his half brother. He's dealing with some evil machinations behind the scenes to assume the role of Asgard now that his brother is out of the picture. And that's, and it. that's it. That's it. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities on purpose uh, with this movie. Brana wanted it to be a little bit more like Henry V. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to really quickly talk about is the, well, I mean, we could save this for later, but I'll say it anyways. Uh, it's not just this is based on comics. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. what, what, it's also, it's almost like a mix of Norse mythology and the comics. the comics. Right. Which I thought I found is interesting. So, a lot of, so going through some of the facts and the notes. Uh, I, and I always send you mm -hmm. uh, an email or, or text with just a list of kind of like comic questions I have for Pat. So he's prepared. I don't surprise him. <laughs> I was trying to, I had to like decipher like, okay, wait a minute. That's not really part of that. That's more Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. I know they, they probably co-opted it in the comic um, and we can get to that later. Yeah. But this is one of the movies that was, wasn't just solely one source material content is, was what I'm belaboring right. to say here. Right off the top, first thing, first time I walked into the door uh, when we were setting up our equipment to record this, I said to Pat, nothing happens in this movie. <laughs> yeah, 
I was going to ask, because you teased our listeners last week that Ooh. you were not a fan. I am not a fan. Are you still not a fan? Um, I'm not. <laughs> that's a no, I, that's a no ladies I, Well, because I don't, I don't, because my other friend, uh, Mike Butler from Forgotten Cinema Podcast that I do, he says, he told me that like, oh, you're just going to hate on Marvel movies. And it's like, that's not fair. I, I don't hate on them. I mean, I don't really, I guess I don't love them as much as a lot of other people but i still it's still an endeavor to put these together obviously um i i just there's like i said this whole movie to me whereas iron man and incredible hulk and iron man 2 to some extent is they're more those are personal journeys and Mm -hmm. i know that this is again this is probably more of a personal journey but like nothing happens in this movie there's the fight in the beginning and there's a fight at the end and there's nothing in between like one of one of my favorite notes is how he at the end he figures out like he's not going to go back to Asgard. He's stuck on Earth forever. Yep. He's up on the roof with uh Jane. Jane. They fall asleep. The next morning he's making eggs and it's like, "Oh, it's like he made eggs. He's he's better <laughs> he's, now. He's domesticated." <laughs> Thor's learned his lesson. He made scrambled eggs. He, he dealt with the fact that he will never see his other loved ones again. <laughs> yeah. By making scrambled eggs, and it was one night where it's just where we see in the later Endgame and, and Thor movies where dude's depressed for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's gained weight. Yeah, he's, he's gained just, weight. Yeah. Where like that affects him so much, but now in this one where he realizes he's never going to be able to go home again. Right. I think at this time he believes Odin to be dead, his father to be dead, and so he makes he falls asleep on the roof with Jane. Wakes up and he's domesticating. He's like, well, I'm going to live on Earth now. Eggs, anyone? (laughs) I'm here on Earth. Cool. (laughs) I mean, I think this would have benefited with a little bit more of stuff going on in between. Mm -hmm. It seems like they they have his group of his not his group of friends, but his warriors. Yeah, I mean, his I know they're Asgardian friends. Right. Like it it basically has his college friends. Right. right. His (laughs) his, his new Earth friends. But like they're set up to be this hardcore fighting group. Yeah. And you see that in the beginning when they just basically go to that land and just start murdering, uh, mm-hmm. murdering. What are the, they're called? What are the, because they, they keep calling them, um, the Jotunheim. ice time. That's the what they're giants. going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they just go there and just like slaughter everybody. And, um, but that's the only time you see them ever kind of fight. Right. And I think they maybe take a more corrective action in, in Thor two, cause they open up with a big fight. So it's him and, and Sif and the warriors three, putting down some type of rebellion or something. So maybe they, they want to show a little bit more of that, that relationship. They learned a lesson from this one. I don't know. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Who knows? How many times have you ever seen, have you seen Thor? The oh, it doesn't. Bunch. Okay. Yeah, so a bunch. did it change for you at all? Or I mean, has I, it changed from the first time to the last good or yes, bad? I mean, so I haven't, I actually hadn't seen it in a while prior to us, you know, watching it for this. And, and so when I was going into it, I'm like, no, I really, I really enjoy this. I thought it was a fun fish out of water comedy. I thought there was more action in it. The fish out of water thing still holds. I think there's some really good moments where he's calling Agent Coulson son of Cole. Okay, I thought that was that's great. I think that's, that's one that's line, fun. dude. Yeah, it's one line. <laughs> but you got the Renfair, you know, the the you know when the Renfair's in town and stuff. But yeah, there's not. I mean, this is. I think I texted you at one point. I was like, there's not a lot of Thor in this mm-hmm. Thor movie. There's even you know there's not a lot of Chris Hemsworth in this Thor movie. Mm-hmm. He's trying to tell a Shakespearean drama it's, yeah yeah and, and so you have all those scenes on asgard with loki and the mother and and you know him trying to usurp the role so get the brother out of the picture brana's doing what brana does and that's try to tell shakespeare <laughs> um, I'm, I'm half surprised he didn't cast himself as odin brana yeah oh 
I didn't I didn't see anything in the notes that he was thinking about doing. I don't that. think he was, but just given his track record in his other Shakespearean right. films, whether you know it's Henry the Fifth, it's Much Ado About Nothing, Hamlet. I mean, mm-hmm. he's in. Well, I know that Hiddleston got Loki's role for because he's he worked with Brana previously on the Wallander uh, TV series, mm-hmm. where Wallander's like a private detective. It takes place in Norway or Sweden, I think Sweden. I, I've watched it. It's it's really good. It's really depressing, and so, <laughs> so, so like any of those detective shows, are that? pretty much. Yeah, a lot of the uh, the Nordic, the Norwegian uh, detective shows are really like yeah. dark. And uh, Hiddleston was on that show with him, but then they were also doing uh, a play together when Bran got the ro- got the director's role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think you know, and then months later he got the part. So you yeah. know, good for him. The right place, right time. I think he did initially. I think you could find the footage online, but you, he initially auditioned for Thor. I think they had a bunch of people auditioning yeah. for Thor. Yeah, absolutely. And it could be Chris Hemsworth was essentially unknown at the time, and that could be why they limited his. Well, I think he, on screen. Role. I think it also helped that he played Kirk's father in the new Star Trek, yeah. and that everyone was like, "Wow, he was really good." Yeah. And I think that's what he helped was, him. And he was really good. It, he was really good. That's a really he good was, opening. This was the first 3D MCU movie. I'll tell you that. They didn't film it in 3D, right? Well, no. Did yeah. they, they, honestly, a lot of the 3D movies now, they don't film in 3D. Yeah. They just like, hey, let's put it out in 3D. And they don't even release anything in 3D anymore. Lot, yeah, I was going to say, are there a lot of 3Ds still released? I think they've all been, they've all had some 3D version yeah. throughout. P- pushing it harder. I know pushing yeah. it harder. Like I, I, you know, when Avengers came out, that's the one we saw in theaters. Any big movie, any and MCU is always going to be a big tentpole movie. It's going yeah. to have a 3D version. Yeah. I'm sure the... The thought process is why not? I mean, we, we've got five screens, so we might as well just make one of them three D and see yeah. what happens. My, my I guess, my biggest thing is just that it is another personal journey for another character that you're introduced to because you don't see him in, in any of the movies. He's just like all these movies. Granted, there are end credit scenes to connect with um, Iron Man with Tony Stark mm-hmm. for Incredible Hulk, and then um, uh, in Iron Man Two, they do, what do they do? I can't, I Iron Man that. Two is for this one, right? Right. right. The, the, um, the hammer. The, the hammer, hammer drops into never New Mexico. Thor. You never met him right. yet. He's not popped in. And that's just strictly Coulson showing right. up in the desert. Right. Exactly. Coulson's that connective tissue. Uh, so it is more like you need to introduce him. You need to show that he's a real jerk and a real a hole in the mm-hmm. beginning. That he um, is arrogant and obviously Odin got to look. It's a little extreme when he banishes him, but that's fine. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Slightly. Yeah. So. How about this? Do you buy the relationship with Jane and him and Thor? When I saw them kiss at the end, I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy the kiss. I like the relationship that they had, especially as they built it up for the scene on the roof. Mm-hmm. I thought that was their big final you know, climactic scene between the two of them. Thor isn't as maybe stupid as his brashness would allow him, you know, allow mm-hmm. us to believe. So he's able to like connect with her on that, you know, science is magic she's he's sharing with her his details it's effectively if she's able to use that research change her career and change her life mm-hmm. so he's and, and he's not looking for anything out of it he's you know this woman has taken him in but it's more this is this is who i am this is where i'm from i'm happy to talk about my past i miss my home so to me that was the i think that was the biggest scene in this this personal film but at the kiss at the end i think it's just Jane and Thor are supposed to be together. Let's have yeah. them kiss. Let's have him disappear. I get it if, you know, if maybe he gives her a look and that and they hug or, or do something. But again, it's it's a movie. You need mm-hmm. something more dynamic where if he goes to Asgard and, and Loki is the one that knows it's like, no, 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 you you like her. You love her. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get her back. And maybe Thor didn't get to kiss her. 
maybe he didn't get to to offer that final goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of see some of that. Well, I think they, they try well. to have that too at the end when he obviously destroys the Bifrost, yeah. the bridge, and and like you know, like he's giving her up, and I think yeah. they're trying to like lead you know to the next movie, and oh my god, will they see her again? That kind of stuff. I guess you also they also kind of set up in this movie his disregard or his lack of seeing how Loki is not good. Mm-hmm. You know, he has like such a blind spot to Loki that starts in this movie. I mean, because. Yeah. All this stuff is happening, and yet your brother is the mad is the guy who's great at magic, and you don't ever believe that he has ulterior motives to take the throne or to do anything, yeah. or like it's and that carries out throughout all the way up until the last movie that we just saw, the end game. Why have you done this? To prove to father that I am a worthy son. When he wakes, I will have saved his life. I will have destroyed that race of monsters, and I will be true heir to the throne. You can't kill an entire race. Why not? <laughs> I think we should jump into yeah. the differences because there's just so much stuff in there, and, I, and we'll probably want to get to all of it. But uh, before we do that, I just want to say this is also the last Marvel movie to be shot on 35 millimeter. After this, they go all digital. I assume huh. that's what that means. So I thought that was interesting as well, which makes sense because we are transitioning. It's, it's only nine years ago. That, right. Yeah. I just, I mean, I maybe from an aesthetic point of view, I would have thought that Captain America, they would have done that for given the the time frame and well, the period piece. Kenneth, Bra- Kenneth Branagh is probably a little bit more old school than the Russo brothers, right? They did, they, they did Captain America, right? No, Joe no? Johnston did. I take it back. No, the Russo brothers didn't come in until Winter Soldier. Okay. So, then, so Joe well, Johnston. I'm surprised did. that. I'm surprised Joe yeah. Johnston didn't do, because he's he's a film he's guy an, too. Yeah, he's yeah. an old school journeyman type guy. Well, maybe this note is wrong when we when I went to Captain <laughs> America and I go, hey, Captain America was the last film shot. All right. So I, I, No, I could be wrong. I just would have no, thought no, from no. an aesthetic Listen. point of view. It could just um, be a Marvel these are edict facts, that came these down. These are facts I gather on the internet. That doesn't mean they're right. I just, I, I can pretend that they're right, but I'm not, I'm not going to be that kind of, I'm not going to be Thor here and be arrogant to think that, that these are correct. Okay. My first note about the differences between the comic and the movie is tell me who Dr. Donald Blake is. Yes. Because this movie does nothing to, has no kind of deal with any kind of alternate pseudonyms or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. then I, that was thrown in there when they rips the name tag off. I'm like, that's, that's something. So tell me who Dr. Donald Blake is. Okay. So I'm going to back up real quick and no, just give somebody, <laughs> Donald Blake is coming first. Just give you Thor was introduced and created by Stanley, Jack Kirby, Larry Liber in journey into mystery. Number 83. So he predated Iron Man by about nine months and, and came in after Hulk. So you see that whole group of guys between Kirby, Lee, John Romita, Steve Ditko. They're all really starting to formulate the Marvel Universe. Uh, in this respect, Kirby had started to develop. He, this is really his his character, his world. He really started to develop the world of As- Asgard and in back matter stories in the early comics. That's that's all quick intro. <laughs> Donald Blake is or was the secret identity of of thor odinson when he gets sent to earth by odin when he gets banished when he gets banished so the difference here is where in the film thor gets sent down to earth people think he has a concussion people think he's out of his mind but he's not he knows he's thor he knows you know he belongs in asgard in the comics, when Odin banishes Thor, he puts his mind into the body of this Dr. Donald Blake, who's a, a medical student and eventually later a doctor. Um, Jane <laughs> Foster is his nurse and an assistant. So it actually took him months and months to realize that he was Thor. So he gets this, this message, essentially, and he travels to a cave in Norway. 
Thor's alleged birthplace. And that's where he recalls that he is, he is Thor. So he had been on earth for a while before you know, the transformation happened. And he's in a different body. He doesn't even look like, no, he looks, he's, he's skinny and he's crippled. So he's kind of got that like initial Steve Rogers feel to him. Okay. So he walks with this, it's a magical stick that he has. And when he touches it and, and smashes it into the ground, that's when it transforms into Thor's magical hammer, Mjolnir. Uh, okay. And that's when he transforms into, into Thor. Interesting. Um, I didn't realize it was that kind of He-Man transition. Yeah. Okay. I guess that would be, he, he has the power. <laughs> or or uh, Lionel from the Thundercats. <laughs> what? That's that. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, I mean, I guess maybe him shouting thunder, thunder, thunder would be better for Thor than it would be for Lion, Lino. But the else Thundercats, how? I mean, everyone knows that. But. I know. <laughs> okay. So the hammer, I read here that, and I sent this to you, the hammer mm-hmm. being casted out is from Fantastic Four number 536. You can, I guess, tell yeah. me what that's about a little bit. And it was to Oklahoma, not to New Mexico. Uh, there's some kind of apocalyptic event on Asgard, whatever. Because I'm curious now that I didn't realize that I just thought Thor threw on glasses and he says, hey, I'm Dr. Donald Blake. I didn't realize that he was put in somebody's body. Yeah, so, so he's put in, in Blake's body. Eventually, they split and Blake. Is, you know, so there's, there's stories where initially it was um, Blake was his own character right. that Odin just put Thor's consciousness Kind of like being into. John Malkovich when he walks through the, to go through the door and yeah. inside Malkovich. Okay. And then on the other, there was, there was a retcon to that in that... Um, Donald Blake was just a pure creation by Odin. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't even a real person up until Odin did some magic stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is after Thor separates himself for Donald Blake mm-hmm. or whatever, he's is, just Thor. Is that okay? And that's it. He's just, yeah, Thor there's a, and, there's okay. another time right. where he's another character. Or he's another human. Okay. So that's really just yeah. kind of like in the Genesis of the comic yes. where that came from. Okay. And that, that makes sense. And so, I mean, but I mean, you brought it up. There's no secret identity in this, but there's no secret identity in the MCU. No, I know. They, well, there was until they outed Spider-Man in the last one. So, yes, that was the la- that was really yeah. the only one. Right. Iron Man in the end of the movie, he says, I'm right. You know, Tony Stark, I'm Iron Man. Black Panther. Yeah, he's not. He's no but a lot of the, as as like the leader of that nation. But they don't only you know what I mean? But the government in if in winter in I'm sorry, Civil War, when they arrest him after the, the street race, mm-hmm. you know, street chase. They, they take off the mask and it's T'Challa. True. It's so true. he's not like, there's not a lot of, they don't really care too much. They don't care. Right. Yeah. And I think Kevin Feige had even been, there was an interview that came out shortly after Endgame when he was kind of looking back on, on the universe where he said, you know, we didn't want to deal with the yeah. whole secret identity thing. And, and for Spider-Man, it makes sense because mm-hmm. that's such a crucial part of his character and, and the age wise. Um, but then they outed him again. So it doesn't, <laughs> nobody, nobody <laughs> exactly. cares. Like chain, yeah, they went. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, whatever. That's, I don't. I'm not either anti that decision or pro that decision. Yeah. It's just okay. That's the decision. Let's 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 move forward. I mean, did did you look up this Fantastic Four thing about the hammer being casted out? Yeah. So they did go to Oklahoma. There's a writer, J. Michael Straczynski. He received a writing credit on this film. Oh, okay. He had written Thor in the late 2000s. So the thing with Thor is the Asgards are always dying and being reborn. Mm-hmm. So they're coming back. There's there's the constant cycle of Ragnarok. So there's always that, you know, Thor's not here for now. And then he comes back and then he's not here. And then, you know, at one point after the destruction of Asgard, Thor settles into Oklahoma or just outside Oklahoma City. So, you know, it, it, and that's with other 
that's with a new Asgard. So you see kind of that new Asgard take in mm-hmm. Endgame. Mm-hmm. But here there's well, it's on Earth, though. It's on Earth. And this is the same thing. Like this is on Earth. And this is, you know, it has a lot of that same fish out of water type moments. But it, he's, you know, and, and the reason that J. Michael wanted to do that was to give a hero outside of New York. So, you know, send it down into Oklahoma provides that new look for for what because Thor had initially been a hero in New York, Spider-Man, Hulk, Fantastic Four, Iron Man to some extent, like all these guys. I don't know how much I work in New York. There's not that much crime. <laughs> well, that's like uh, when um, I talked about the the Daredevil show on Netflix. Oh, right. I, I mean, Daredevil, right. Luke Cage. All the, but he talks about much crime. But, uh, but, I, but I always like when he talks about this is my city, Hell's Kitchen. It's like Hell's Kitchen is a couple blocks. Right. I mean, it's really not that big. No, so. it stretches from like maybe yeah. 50th yeah. down yeah. to I lived 20, in it. 27. I lived in Hell's Kitchen for two months. It's, it's, it's uh, trust it's me. City. It, it, exactly. That's always made me laugh. And, that, and, and we know that because we live on the East Coast and we're, we go to the city. Yeah. But it's like people don't know that. No, and you're like, it's like Come on, you're selling a bill of goods here. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is it? It's, it's maybe 20 blocks. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe 20 yeah. blocks and only on the west side. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a city. <laughs> so <laughs> I also saw here that Thor and Hercules are best friends. They are. Okay. So so there's a... Mike, what that, do you do when you have these characters that are in the public domain? You just use them. You use them. And but, that's what they're so, doing here. Well, let me ask you this. Was the Hercules character, did it have or the... Greco-Roman gods, did they have their own issues or line in in Marvel's? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So and there's a whole like, them. yeah, they, they, they bring in the, the Greco-Roman gods. There's the gods of Asgard and essentially the Norse gods. And they were able to just, the thing you got to know about these comics back, especially in the 60s and even before then, you're just churning these things out at such a high pace. And, you know, the, they're the like demand, pulp novels. They're pulp novels. Yeah. The demand for these things were so high. So, you know, you needed to just churn and churn and churn. Like there were, you know, Batman had world's finest detective Batman. He appeared in the justice league. You, the more characters you had, the more ability you had to just sell and sell and sell. And like nowadays, does that kind of affect, I don't mean to cut you yeah. off, but does that kind of affect your appreciation for characters when they're just watering them down to every single and putting them in and stuff that doesn't make sense in terms of inside of storylines and oh no, that's a different storyline. That's a different story arc. This is not the same world and all this stuff. Does that affect the way you like them? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because um, I, like, I think maybe that's why I, I never got into comic books and not because I was like, oh, comics for nerds. Yeah. I just was never into them. I probably would be because I love stories, yeah. but I think that would bother me. Maybe you could check out some of our recommended reading. <laughs> <laughs> Those are for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the difference between the Marvel comics and the DC comics at that time. Marvel, because it was run and, and created by essentially all the same guys and in, in, in this Marvel, you know, they called it the Marvel bullpen. You just walked out into the, the floors of Marvel comics. Great book on the history of that by the way, and we'll, we'll link to it somewhere. They were just, you know, the, the characters all wanted to interact with each other. They were able to just, you know, go over to say, hey, who's doing what? And so the continuity was a lot more shared than it was over on DC because the characters had, the Marvel Comics characters for the most part, aside from Captain America and a few Namor and a few others that were from the 40s, they were mostly all created in this small window in the 60s. Like all the key ones that we know of, we're in this this the, early. Are 60s we talking years. like the Phase One characters, or in terms of the uh, movies, or just all of them, everything that we've seen? A lot of them. Point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Spider Man's in a, you know Fantastic Four. All these guys in this Black thing. Panther. Believe so. I'm okay. trying to remember one exact. I'm just Black curious. Panther was. That fine. might have been the 70s, but yeah. So DC had no real continuity. They had. 
Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman doing their own thing in in their own comics, and then they'd go into World's Finest and do something else, and it wouldn't connect back. Mm. Justice League, but you also had Justice Society, who didn't necessarily play well, even though Batman and Superman had been initiated in the Justice Society. It was more older heroes. And so DC used the 80s to kind of bring everything in line together. Crisis on Infinite Earths was their event comic by George mm. Perez and and Marv Wolfman. Um, nowadays, I think it's even harder to get into it. And that's why you'll see like either oh. reboots at the same time a movie comes out. Okay. Or they'll do a specific like comic for that movie. It used to be where the, the issue was that the title of the series was the main thing. The numbering was was consistent. So it was always... You know, it was adding up. So, you know, getting into the 900s by the time. So that that's a deterrent for a lot of readers. Recently, a lot of comics now are just they're going more of the indie route. So you own that comic for that that run. Okay. So one of the um, recommending ones we have in this because Clint Barr and Hawkeye shows up is the Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction. It runs for volume uh, for trade paperbacks. I forget the total number of issues, but when he's done, it goes to a new number one in a Hawkeye series. I gotcha. And even though a lot of the stories, a lot of the characters and a lot of characterations continue, a new creative team had come over and take over. And so it's, it gets a new number one and new numbering so that you could pick up from there and then you could go back and and get the old ones versus, you know, when I started collecting, I think one of the first comics I had picked up was Nightwing number 70. So I had to go, backtrack Back and, and get the yeah. other 69 then i had you know as i continued to collect the it going forward and then you're you're piecing things together with event comics mm-hmm. are usually every year there's a big event series you know there was civil war fear itself which i know you wanted to touch on oh right and a few other things like that's the big summer or like sort of year-long story and then from the regular weekly issues or monthly issues that are coming out they tie in in different pieces so it's it is a deterrent i think to to some people and i think the comic industry has has tried to do the best it can to mm-hmm. to refocus and and okay. still tell great stories because i love the stories they tell but you know able to to make it a little bit more open gotcha yeah. palatable to yeah. maybe casual especially comic. as comic books and superheroes are becoming they're the biggest pop culture thing right in the world it's no longer a select group of society that's into super reading them you want you want to come and tap into that mainstream yeah. and kind of keep them there all right so you talked about fear itself because we haven't talked about the destroyer at all and that's the uh whatever that creature that comes out and is protecting all the ancient artifacts mm-hmm. that are in thor's uh dungeon vault thing I don't think that's the actual name of it, but that's what I'm calling it. So that destroyer armor was acquired by Tony Stark and fear itself. Um, talk about what is, what is fear itself? Yeah, I guess so for, for the layperson as myself, like a real quick overview of it. fear itself was a, it was an event comic uh, that took place in the Marvel universe and it dealt with the superheroes of the MCU, Captain America, Thor, uh, Iron Man, and, and just about everybody else, Spider-Man fighting with the lost brother of Odin, a serpent who's this god of fear who actually claims the right to the Asgardian throne. Their reviews are a little bit mixed. Uh, It was written by Matt Fraction. There ends up being a showdown between serpent, those that are deemed the mighty. In it, though, Tony starts building these weapons and other things for the heroes to use to 
face down against these these villains. He doesn't obtain the destroyer armor. He takes his at the time what they called the bleeding edge armor, which was attached to his bones essentially, mm-hmm. and he drops himself into a vat of of molten what they called uru. Uh, uru metal is the same metal that's used to forge Thor's hammer, mm-hmm. and so he just dives into it. And when he comes out, he has the look of the destroyer. Okay. All right. So the hammer and the destroyer are made up of the same thing, and that Tony is able to do it. Odin provides some magic protection for this armor. Provides some magic here. He provides some magic. So once they save the day, because superheroes, of course, they do. He expels. Tony is able to expel this this metal from him. And Odin takes away the, the magic. So he only needs it for... He only uses oh, okay. it for this. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, all right. That, I'm satisfied there. Yeah. So you talked. we talked about Clint Barrow, Hawkeye. He's introduced in this movie really quickly. Is there any connection to him in, in Thor in the comics? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, they're... Same idea? Same thing that they showed here? Or they're just... They're Avengers. I mean, they cross paths on the Avengers well, I meant, enough I, time. I guess, but... I, I guess I meant more like in Thor's personal comic series run. Not quite like this. The you the version that they use. I don't know if we've talked about the Ultimate Universe and the differences between the Marvel Universe. I know we touched on it in our uh, like. I have a note here about his armor. Thor's armor is a combination of his costume from the mainstream Marvel mm-hmm. continuity and the Ultimate Marvel Comics universe. So if you want to get into that, yeah. go ahead. So I'll do a quick overview. Are they of, ever quick, Pat? Are they ever quick? They're never quick. They're <laughs> never quick. I'm just, I'm just I say quick stones. a lot, but they're never quick. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do a long story about the ultimate universe. <laughs> Gather around, folks. Gather around to the fire pit, kids. Here we go. Welcome um, to hour two of the Thor episode for another MCU podcast. So most of the events that take place in the Marvel Comics universe proper take place on what's known in the universe known as Earth 616. There's also the ultimate universe, which is 1610. Uh, numbers aren't important. Just interesting. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You're really already blown my mind. In an effort to make comics more inviting, more acceptable for you know readers who hadn't been collecting for years and years, they launched the Ultimate Universe. Brian Michael Bendis had had launched Ultimate Spider-Man. Mark Millar on the Ultimates, which was essentially a take on the Avengers. They provided them with some updated origins, new reasons behind the tech and the weapons that they use, and just tried to you know tried to drive a harder continuity and more you know a better launching point for for new readers it took a little bit more of an updated uh, like more adult tone in some cases um first off let me just jump back to clint barton hawkeye they lean a lot heavily on his on his ultimates version where he's more of a mercenary shield agent and so that's what we see him in here yeah that he's you know he's he's working with colson uh he's he's the one up in the the cherry picker with the bow and arrow I, for those I, that don't. I feel like that's tossed in there to just kind of like get people to be like, oh, that's Hawkeye. And then yeah. he goes and it's not, that's all. Yeah. I mean, you could easily put just a guy with a sniper rifle up yeah, there, but yeah. because Marvel's building this universe, they said, let's go no, that's grab fine. a character. Yeah. I get you. Hawkeye in the mainstream comics, a little bit more of a, the butt of a joke. Uh, he joined, he actually joined the second iteration of the Avengers with Captain America after the main team had all quit. Eventually, him and Thor get on the same team. You know, it's comics. People come and go on these teams. I touched a little bit on recent issues, but the Matt Fraction series of Hawkeye, he's really risen to kind of critical prominence because it's showing what, you know, as an Avenger, as an Avenger without superpowers, 
kind of what he does on his days off mm-hmm. and what he does at home. Chop wood. Yeah, not quite. Uh, he is the superintendent of a building oh in New York. Um, it's well, it's. A why would thing. you want that job? <laughs> it's, okay. it's it's actually a really good series. I'm sure I'm going to say a lot of stuff that you're just going to laugh at. Like one story is told completely from the point of view of his dog. You're correct. (laughs) (laughs) They have another one that's told uh, mostly in American sign language because Hawkeye in the mainstream comics is uh, partially deaf. Okay. So interesting. The mainstream Hawkeye is he's a carny. He's raised by uh, him and his brother run away. His brother, Barney, Barney Barton. (laughs) Great oh, name. it's Barton or Barrow? Barton. Barton. Oh, what about Barrow down here? All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, they're raised in a circus. Uh, initially, he was a villain because he was trained by the swordsman. And then he quickly, quickly. Carney quick, folks are evil. Yeah, Carney <laughs> folks are evil. We've all seen, what was that season of American Horror Story? <laughs> I didn't see that one, but yes. Eventually, he turns, you know, turns a new leaf and, and joins the Avengers. But so he's, you know, they steal bits and pieces of him in later versions of the MCU Hawkeye. He gets a little bit more of that humor, a little bit more of that, like especially the scene in civil war when he goes to save Scarlet, Witch. he, they start to borrow a little bit more from uh, the, the, the new version of the comics than the ultimates version. Okay. But there's still, there's still pieces here and there of okay. that. As far as Thor's look goes with the ultimates, Thor is actually um, known as Thorfield. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's that's like he has a last name. Y- yeah, he's a little bit more. I, th- I believe like he's my last name. Am I related? Hold on. Am I related to Thor? Are you oh, son of Thor? Yes. Field son of Thor. I've always thought I've had some kind of special powers. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he, he was sort of a mental patient in that one. So they get a little bit of that in this film. Can but, you see why Thor is not my one of my yeah. ones I like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he actually gets this mechanical suit that, that straps on. So he's got those like six dots down his chest and it provides him with flight and superpowers and, and a connection to his hammer, which has a little bit more look of Stormbreaker than it does Mjolnir. Stormbreaker will we'll touch on in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one in the movie, the one in the comic looks like he's straight out of a Renaissance fair. Okay. And so they, they take the two and, and they kind of steal the look, but it very much draws um i think it does draws inf- inspiration from olivier copel's designs from thor which was a new series launched in 2007 so you know if you see that picture kind of lines up okay the only thing missing is the helmet mm-hmm. and we get the helmet in ragnarok but more as a easter egg than anything yeah and i think that was one thing that fans initially took issue with was thor doesn't have a helmet oh, for god's sake yeah it's, it's like yeah because that's fine. you're not gonna hide like, your yeah. main character's face well, like yeah, that. I know. I mean, Chris Hemsworth is a chisel at a rock yeah. for crying out loud. But I say that and then we go to the next movie and <laughs> Chris Hemsworth's head is covered hair. completely by the helmet. <laughs> oh, caving. Uh, All right. So <laughs> I want to go through the artifacts in the vault. Yes. Now I'm going to list them and I want you to tell me quickly mm-hmm. what they are, what they do. Okay. Okay. Now I'm not going to, we already know lightning that, round. Yeah. We already know that the infinity gauntlet was in there. Then they say it's fake. It's, fake. it's easier right. to say it's fake than it is I to know, say that's fine, that he stole Thor it. Thor right. comes in and steals it. Right. So I've got them listed here. You tell me what they do or what they are real quickly. So the tablet of life and time. I have no idea. Really? <laughs> the eye of Agamotto. So the eye of Agamotto, I didn't even realize it was in there because that's what Dr. Strange uses. Okay. That's I mean, his, this is what it's, this is again, this that's is his, all mine. That's so. his necklace. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's his, you know, centerpiece there that he uses to hide the time stone. Okay. 
and it has magical powers and mystical powers. So we're going to say that's probably a fake too. That's right? probably okay. a fake. I mean, War, <laughs> Warlock's eye. Uh, I don't know if that is related to the just a random Warlock's eye or the Pat, character Warlock. Do you understand that you were brought onto this podcast <laughs> to give me knowledge on, on comics? You got to give me warning about these things. I, I, I thought I sent this one to you. No. Oh, that's fine. I, you know what? This is this works even better then. <laughs> uh, now, the Eternal Flame. I know it's in Thor 3, so the Eternal Flame. What is that? The one to, to hire um, Searcher? I don't know. Sortor? I don't, man. Yeah. I, we're not that. Okay. Yeah. Casket of Ancient Winters. That's Isn't that the thing that... That's the MacGuffin in this one. That's when he holds. Yeah, okay, that's the right. one okay. that they, they use this whole oh, That was it. That was the last yeah. one. All right. Man, um, really it's also... Me. Oh, go ahead. That one I do know because you wanted to know about the Cosmic Cube, but I'm not going to talk about the Cosmic Cube <laughs> this time because we're going to talk about the Cosmic Cube next time. Okay. On is, Thor. Is okay. On, uh, I'm Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, that's fine. The Casket of Ancient Winters, is a.k.a. Fimble Winter, <laughs> a.k.a. Hashtag Fimble Winter is coming, <laughs> is a Game of Thrones like winter in a box. Which okay, so that's what he's using to shoot everything, yeah. to freeze everyone. Okay, yeah. so and the tesseract's inside that, right? Is no, the tesseracts are completely. That's not even. I thought. See, I thought the tesseract was inside that. No, no, no. tesseract's completely different. They don't have the tesseract until here. the end, until the mid credit scene. The casket wasn't the only thing you took from Jotunheim that day, was it? No. In the aftermath of the battle, I went into the temple, and I found a baby. Small for a giant's offspring, abandoned, suffering, left to die. Alfie's son. Okay, well, how about this? Uh, do you want to go into its role in the MCU? You yeah. wanna, okay, yeah, let's get into that. that. Yeah. So we're gonna we'll probably still talk about comics, but yeah. All right. So I guess I guess my first question is. They show in the mid credit scene or the end credit scene, thankfully, uh, post credit scene, thankfully they graduate to mid credit scene at some point because <laughs> there's only one in this one, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. One. No, there's only one. He opens up because the character that Stellan Skarsgård plays, Eric Selvig, is yeah. now in this, is in throughout, possessed by Loki, apparently. Uh, whatever. My question is, where did they get the Tesseract from? In when he opens it up and he shows them, I thought I thought that was from the winter box thing. No, that was from. Um, but you never see it till this till in this movie. But then we see it in the next movie. We see it in right. Captain America. Well, that's what I, that's, that's the note I hear. That, the 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 Norwegian village of Tonsberg, mm-hmm. where that's they show that in the beginning. Yeah, that's where Red Skull gets the Tesseract yes. from. So that's what you're supposed to. So it, it comes. It does come from Asgard. So are we are we saying that Captain America happens before? Thor, all of Captain America, all of Captain America it. happens. Oh, that makes sense. To all me. of the MCU. Yeah. However, I believe in the early parts of the first Avenger, they talk about how the, the cosmic cube did find its way from earth down. So whatever piece happens there, and I need to go rewatch first that's Avenger because I'm trying to, that's, remember what that's next week. Yeah. <laughs> that makes its way into earth. So from wherever it's from, it comes down okay. way much prior to the events of, of Captain America. Okay. Well, that makes sense then, I guess. Um, I think that the scenes in the beginning of Thor actually take place well before. I think they say it's something like 900 AD. When they have... They fight he's... the frost giants initially and Odin wins and, and oh, right. steals that, that Loki whole... away. Yeah, that, right, that whole right. thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because that, that, I think they were trying to tie into actual Norwegian and, and Norse mythology mm-hmm. time frame of, of when some of that stuff found its way into Earth. Right. 
And you also have the first MCU movie now that is off world. Yes. And deals with, and it, there's an awful, um, there's just some acceptance to the fact that he's off world and everyone's like, yeah. All right. And yeah. I get that thinking back that it doesn't blow Coulson away or doesn't blow Nick Fury away because you know that they met Captain Marvel. Right. And, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> they have the, the scrolls from right. the movie. So yeah. they, not- they know all this. So I, but. I mean, we don't know this when right. we're watching Thor, so we don't assume that. And I wonder if that was a conversation where, like, you already know there's people off off world. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, I don't things. know when some of that time frame works out. And, I'm just wondering yeah. if the conversation when they put this together and they're talking or to just the actors, talking to Sam yeah, Jackson, and, and, and listen, there's yeah. stuff coming up that we want to do that you already are aware of. Yeah, I'm wondering if that you that, know I mean, every, you know all. Yeah, exactly. So don't ever be surprised about yeah. things. That so the we talked briefly about Hawkeye. Yeah. So we yeah so we get major introduction of essentially three characters yep. three like aside from thor three characters that play a role that later, carry through that carry through yeah and one being hawkeye mm-hmm. which what i really found interesting was hawkeye kind of maintains the when we we next see hawkeye in, in avengers and when we see him he's working security and surveillance for selvig's tests on the tesseract so he kind of maintains his mission his you know this mission with selvig the mission with thor and, and asgardian whatever well i would assume that with the timeline that this is avengers is pretty much close to the yeah. end of thor yeah right okay and in the but i guess the like black widow had finished her mission with tony stark and the next time we see her she's recruiting hulk so mm-hmm. you know it's you know i, I like that they kind of kept that mm-hmm. continuity between what these characters are doing or what they're not doing depending on you know how things went mm-hmm. so and then and obviously we have loki and and selvig uh selvig making appearances in avengers avengers 2 and and thor, and of course thor well. dark world and sit well <laughs> and sit well yeah and sit well yeah so shield's back right so we so the end of the last movie um colson went to go find the hammer and <laughs> what does it say about the writer's viewpoints of Americans that when the <laughs> hammer lands in the middle of the desert, the first thing everyone's going to do is go get some beer, cooking up hot dogs and hamburgers and try to yank it out of that. I mean, it's just like well, entrepreneurial. Path- it's entrepreneurial. How pathetic are we? <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> what is the Bud Light going? Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I thought that was fantastic. When the guys like cooking the burgers, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. I'm making some burgers. Yeah. Try to pull that hammer. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. <laughs> Ignore his point of view. <laughs> I thought that was a great scene. They take over this entire town, which I should have brought this up when we were talking about the movie itself. They actually, this is the same set from Silverado. Oh, is it? The Kevin Costner movie. Yeah. Uh, the guns. If you've ever seen Silverado, it's directed by Lawrence Kasdan. It's, it's a really fun movie. It's like a Western movie, but it's more a little, I guess it's a little, I say updated, but it's not as dry. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. But this entire town was constructed and it's from the set of Silverado. So that I should have put that in the earlier one, but I'm not telling you it now. That's a fun fact. Hashtag fun fact. There you go. That's what I'm all, I'm about fun facts. But Fields fun facts. <laughs> oh, interesting. I should uh, trademark that maybe. Patent it. <laughs> so yeah. So, and then I know I talked about when we went through the artifacts, and we briefly touched about how the gauntlet's fake, but then yep. that eternal flame shows up in Thor, Thor three. Ragnarok. I feel like they put a lot of that stuff in there and they just had it to be cool. It's in yeah. there. And then they I think it was Easter eggs. Use it. Yeah. This and is going to get fans jazzed. Do you think that, do you think they tried to put more Easter eggs in this one than maybe the past ones that we watched? Because like we said, Iron Man two, Iron Man two has a lot more stuff in terms of the universe right. building than this one does. Well, and that's the problem with the Thor movies is they don't really touch on, a lot of the unit like they operate in their own separate 
world for a good right. chunk, like dark world. It's this, you know, world ending, destroying, destroying London mm-hmm. and nobody shows up. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, know. Thor Ragnarok is, is almost complete. You have Hulk obviously, but it's off another planet. It's, it's planet. completely off yeah. planet. Yeah. Um, but I think they also do that because when your guardians come out, guardians is another series that's off planet yeah. pretty much. So it, it makes sense that they should connect those two mm-hmm. and they kind of do, They do, you know, but yeah. so that makes sense. But then, and then you have captain Marvel, which I'm curious because we've only seen one captain Marvel movie. If the second movie will include maybe some stuff with Thor. I mean, I don't, I'm curious because I know that we're talking about Thor, the first one, mm-hmm. Well, we all know what has happened to him in the last one in yeah. Endgame. I'm wondering what, I mean, he's done. Like, is he, is that's he's, it? He's, he's coming back. Is he um, coming back? The, the Chris Hemsworth is coming back. It, Taika Waititi had, you know, they said, okay, yeah, I'll do oh, it. Right, I'll do another one. Saw, we, we're just on the cusp of them saying they're talking to Christian Bale right. to come back. Which, right. If they get Christian Bale, they got everybody. Uh, well, they still haven't gotten Keanu Reeves. But, no, they did, right? I think they yeah. did. And <laughs> man, don't take John Wick. <laughs> yeah so this one i mean this one is disconnected from a lot of the greater mm-hmm. marvel one i mean shield shows up as we know sitwell's in there he you know makes random appearances here mm-hmm. and there between now and, and winter soldier do you soldier. think they knew he was going to be hydra i don't know do when that decision that? was made See, i I'm wonder wa- that's why i'm wondering like all these what happens how far back the genesis came yeah that would be a good i mean i'd love to get that question too i don't know how you'd, I don't know, you'd have yeah. to ask for interviews I, <laughs> Maybe when Kevin Feige's done, yeah. he'll he'll write a book. Uh, will they ever be yeah. done? I don't think these will ever be done. Well, oh, the thing that I didn't understand is, and I'm not sure if they they knew how it was going to eventually play. Speaking of the Genesis, is Selvig in that final teaser scene, the post credit scene, the post credit scene where yeah. it looks like he's he's controlled by Loki, but then when we get to the opening of Avengers, when Loki comes through the portal, he takes control. Of Selvig, like he actively he's, has to take control of Selvig. Yeah, he's got. He start. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get that. So like when when he lets go of the Bifrost Bridge, when Thor destroys it. Yeah, you're assuming that he's traveling down to Earth. I don't know where you're. I'm. I'm assuming Earth. you're travel. He's traveling, or eventually finds his way to like Thanos's weird like asteroid castle thing. So he's not. He. But how is he talking to Selvig? Maybe the same way that he talked to Thor when Thor was was in. Okay, so captured. he's just somewhere and he's, he's doing magic. They never really kind of explain Loki's magic. You just he does something; it's magic. Yeah, and, and they don't explain like what it's from or how he has that or how how powerful he is. In the, I believe in the comics, he was initially introduced as the god of god of evil. Okay, and in Norse mythology, he's known as the. The trickster god. Trickster god. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I we see some of his powers. We're able. He's able to form copies of himself. Illusions. I mean, I get it. I don't need to hear his limitations or, but just it's just kind of like again, maybe that's because they have him in the post credit scene. Do you think that at some point during the production of Thor, when they did Thor, because the post credit scene is directed by Johnston? Oh, is it? I believe so. It's not directed by Brana. That's a weird. Well, that's what they did the last one. The last Thor one, the one that was in the end of Iron Man 2 was directed by Brana. So they're directed by the next director. Yeah. I'm wondering if they knew that, like, okay, we're going to carry Loki through. Into at least Yeah, so let's throw him in this scene to get, let's, they probably wanted to introduce the Tesseract because they knew that they had Captain America coming up. And they wanted the villain, a new, like, Re- I think they wanted to bring Loki, but I think they had to. You can't do the Red Skull there, yeah. Right. Yeah. You wanted to because the Red Skull wasn't going to be they they because Captain America comes out two months later, 
So they already knew the plot line. Yeah, no. I wonder, yeah, maybe they did then already. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking when they're when they're plotting Thor out, they probably knew that Loki would be the one to to be the villain in the Avengers. He's the villain they know, but he is kind of a representative of the villain that the bigger villain. Right, yeah. right. And they do that a couple times throughout the series. Yeah. They do kind of like they have like it's almost like mini boss levels in yeah. video games. It's like a video game. Yeah. Oh, what does that say? <laughs> So yeah, so there's really not like we talked about last time. Again, I'll repeat it that Iron Man two uh, did a lot to set up the universe moving forward with Shield and just everything to mm-hmm. the detriment of the story. This one, it's probably got a better balance. I don't think it affected. I don't think it was detrimental to the story of Thor in and of itself. I think the story did all that on its own. <laughs> I. <laughs> It's tough because you go into that theater and you're you want it, you're seeing a superhero action film and you're getting a Shakespearean drama and while I appreciate that as a as a writer and as somebody who likes Shakespeare and likes loves stories and I I'm a big fan of Kenneth Branagh directing and writing and acting it's just that's not what you expect going in you know that yeah. kind of movie and and I mean I'm surprised. I think it made its money because it because it's Thor and and this was they were like oh my god all these movies are coming and Captain America was the net in two months and I'm sure they wanted to watch this before Captain America mm-hmm. I mean I think maybe you start having people like oh what's the end credit scene going to be what's the end credit yeah. scene going to be because that that basically becomes a thing where oh absolutely and yeah. then everybody else tried to copy it and right exactly wish I went back and did in prep for this one was find the original teasers and the trailers just to see how they pitched it. And see if it was a little if they just did they put all the action in the trailer? Did they maybe try to did they put some of like the funny comedy moments? Like how did they try to market this one? And does it sit well next no sit well? Ah, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> does it work next to the final product? That, yeah, yeah. That would that would have been good prep work. Good, yeah. Nice job. Nice way to way to drop the ball here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have anything else to, that you want to add or? Uh, I think we said we always said about Thor. I just wish that, you know, Agent Sitwell was related to Sally Sitwell. Oh, that would have been cool. From Arrested Development. Yes. Not in the know. Oh, that would have been and really, then, maybe in our world it is, Pat. And then they, the Booth family is part of the MCU <laughs> because they need everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so state. So next week, two things. Next week, we're going to be, we'll have our Captain America episode. And that's actually going to, uh, it's not going to just be me and Pat. It's going to be my other partner, Mike Butler, who we do a podcast, uh, which I've mentioned before, called Forgotten Cinema, where we highlight uh, one movie every week that maybe people don't talk about a lot anymore, whether they're old or new or, and, um, you know, Pat's a big fan of that. So, uh, yeah, so we, we uh, he is. So, <laughs> so I am. we do. Uh, so Mike's going to come on because Captain America is one of his favorite. I think it's his favorite MCU movie. I know he really likes it. So I was trying to we're trying to get him on here just to kind of like, you know, not just me and Pat talking. So I thought that'd be cool. We want somebody who's going to have a good opinion about these movies. Oh, we do. Well, this is true. This is true. We do have good opinions. I do. Well, shut up. I have a good. I mean, I'm getting a bad rap here. But anyways. So Mike Butler will be joining us next week at Captain America. So hey, stick around. Don't 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 hit stop yet because now Pat's going to give you some recommended reading options for based upon what we talked about here for Thor. And uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going to sign off. So uh, thanks for listening. Pat, take it away. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. 
Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. So this week we journey to Asgard with Thor Odinson and the gang uh, for some recommended reading. No Thor reading list would be complete without a story by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, you could pick up Thor epic collection, The God of Thunder, where you'll get a look into the origins of the character, uh, which, as we talked about, differ in some respects to the film. Uh, that's the initial introduction to the character. This volume actually collects over 25 issues of, of Thor's run and Tales of Suspense, and also Kirby's Back Matter Tales of Asgard collection. Uh, we get to meet Donald Blake, Loki, Heimdall, and explore Asgard really through Kirby's beautiful pencils. Um, next up, we mentioned this one already, but the um, J. Michael Straczynski run uh, with artist Olivier Coppel. Uh, they returned Thor to the modern MCU after he had been gone for a while. Uh, in Thor Volume 1 uh, from the mid-2000s, 2007, Donald Blake returns, uh, helps Thor return from the void of nothingness, whatever that means, uh, and we see our hammer-wielding hero settle in new Asgard in Oklahoma. Yes, Oklahoma. So again, it, it kind of retains some of that fish-out-of-water feel that the movie did. And then lastly, we have The Mighty Thor by Matt Fraction, are also by Copal. Uh, Thor partners with Lady Sif as they start to track down magical world tree MacGuffins um, and face down with the Fantastic Four villain Galactus. In addition to Fraction's run on Thor, I'd really be remiss if, if I didn't recommend the Hawkeye run that we had mentioned a couple of times here. It's Hawkeye on his day off, uh, essentially, from the Avengers. So start with Volume 1, My Life as a Weapon, and then just continue to follow the adventures of Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Pizza Dog, and a whole bunch of vampires in tracksuits. And that's it. Happy reading, and we'll see you next week.